0: jump in. We're continuing our series on Galatians, and we're um, looking, we're up to Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be digging in today, and um, verses 13 to 26. So we're going to do that chunk of scripture. Um, when I was thinking about this passage, the, the main um, point that Paul is making this passage is walking in step with the Spirit, is what we're going to be you know, kind of digging into here. And so as I was thinking about this passage, um, a story came to mind. You know, a couple um, stories had come to mind, and one of the stories that came to mind was um, our oldest son, Grant, when he was about 3 years old we found that if people know grant if you guys in this room know grant he's kind of like an like an old soul and he was always like this this kid that like loved working and had these qualities um, in him. From the time he was a little boy, he started a lawn care business when he was 13. So he just has this in him. And so when he was a tiny little boy, we, you know, we're getting to know him. And um, for Christmas, he wanted, he loved tools. And so for Christmas, he wanted a tool. And so my in-laws bought him like a plastic chainsaw. You know, can you picture those? He was so excited about this plastic chainsaw. And so, I mean, it's Christmas, it's freezing outside, but he wanted to go outside and he wanted to try it out. So he goes outside and he finds a branch. Michael goes out with him. He finds a branch and he goes like this and he kind of has this puzzled look on his face. And then he looked at Michael, you know, and he's ready to, you know, try it again. So he does it again. And we're all standing in the window watching this, so we're kind of like chuckling at this. Um, so he turned around, he looks at us, he looks at Michael, and Michael says to him, he's like, buddy, he's like, it's not real. And he was like, I mean, he was devastated by this. <laughs> we're like, we, did you really think we were gonna get you like a real chainsaw at three? He clearly did. So my family knew this, you know, they knew this about Grant. And um, so anyway, so in the next year or so, I think Grant was about five, my parents were cleaning out their garage. And when they were cleaning out their garage, they found this old lawnmower. And um, I have a picture of it here, so if you can switch to the next slide, um, there's a picture of this. Kind of hard. So this is like an old antique Walmart. When I tried to find a picture of this, I have to tell you, they're selling for like $500 on eBay. Clearly, should have kept it. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so we had. So they, my dad decides to bring this thing out, and I am telling you, this thing was heavy, and it actually was really unsafe because when you pushed it, there's like metal, like like the blades inside of it, it doesn't have any safety precautions on it. So when you stop pushing, it keeps spinning. <laughs> and this is like our five-year-old is using this lawnmower, and loving it. I mean, he is so thrilled. The thing is so heavy, he can hardly move it. And, um, and so, you know, anyway, so this is, he would, he would mow our yard like with this push mower. And I mean, he was determined. Well, years ago, I was thinking you the fact, we built a house and we have a lot of land. And um, now we cut about three acres of grass, is what we you know cut typically on a weekly basis. And um, this is the equipment that our kids use now, Grant and his brothers. It's called a Ferris, and this is a zero turn lawnmower. I've never been on it. I don't even have a clue how to do it. Um, thankfully we have boys, but this Ferris lawnmower, they can now cut a lot of grass in a very short amount of time. I want to ask the question, what do you think if Grant was still using the old push mower trying to cut three acres of grass? It would be exhausting, right? And it would take forever. But with the Ferris, all Grant has to do is start the engine, right? And then he just has to steer it around the yard and it is just cutting the grass. It's not exhausting at all. And this concept is like what we're going to talk about today. In Galatians 5, this is what it's like when we walk in step with the Spirit. Um, Many of us, like Grant, I want you to think of this, are using an old push mower. We're trying to live a good life. We're trying to do all the right things in our own power, in our own strength, rather than allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to provide both the power and the motivation to be more like Jesus. As we think about this, I want to go back to where we started in Galatians. This series has been so rich. Um, And so I just want to go back to the beginning. of what we've talked about, give a little bit of the background of the passage because it's so important. In Galatians, we realized that this was written to churches of Galatia, um, in the region of Galatia, and Paul, who wrote this book, he had visited um, these churches, and when he wrote this book he's writing it out of both passion and frustration. These were new Christians, like we've said, week after week, these are new Christians who had come to faith. Um, Christianity at this time it began in jerusalem was where it began and the first con um, converts to christianity were what were called messianic jews Um, and the message though was for all people and so this message then spread from jerusalem went out into other areas and people who were non-jews were becoming believers this sparked a debate because the jews historically were known for observing the law and being set apart, and observing another word for the law was called the Torah. And um, some of these laws that we talked about, they were eating certain foods, they were um, circumcision of men, um, of males, and then other laws that they were looking at. So these were really important to them. And so these Jewish Christians were coming in and they believed that these non-Jews had to do the same exact laws They wanted to be a part of the family, right? We had this theme of family. So if you want to be in the family, you better do these right things. Um, And some of these Jewish Christians came to Galatia. They're undermining the message that Paul had said um, and demanding circumcision of all the males, the non-Jewish males. So Paul finds this out. He's brokenhearted and he's angry. And Paul reminds us in this letter at the beginning, he's saying that it is all about the gospel all right? And he said, we talked about this in the beginning, it's the gospel plus nothing. It is just the gospel message. Um, So today, now we're going to look at, you know, this passage in Galatians 5 where Paul is saying, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, some parts of right living. We're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And um, this could be confusing because now we might think, is Paul saying now it's the gospel plus right living? And we're like, no, no, it's still the gospel plus nothing, but out of I'm gonna talk about the motivation through the spirit is gonna give us the opportunity for right living. Many of us grew up with a lie, and I want you to hear this because this was a lie that really I grew up with for a long time, and the lie says God saves, but I do the sanctification work. Sanctification is the idea of becoming more holy and more like Jesus. So God does save me, I believe God saves me, but then I am gonna do this hard work of becoming a better person to be like Jesus. He says, you've got it all wrong. That's not what it's about. Um, in 1 Thessalonians, it says this. May, the God, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. This is not us working it up, us having to do this. He is the one who's going to do this. Um, I have a quote up here that I want you to look at. Holiness is not cleaning up our act. It is the recognition that we are utterly powerless to clean up our act, forcing us to come to Christ in complete brokenness. This is what it looks like. We come to him saying, I can't do it all. I'm exhausted. I can't make myself a better person. He says, that's okay, Brooke. You don't have to. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to partner with you. And this is what it's going to look like. The gospel is what really transforms people by the power of the Spirit. This is our main idea. This is how we walk in the power of the Spirit. The gospel is what transforms us by the power of the Spirit. John in his message a couple weeks ago said, "We are not justified." Which justified a good way to remember that is just as if we never sinned. So we are not justified by our works. But Paul said, "Or observing the law, it's only by faith." Delsha this morning she talked about this. Like it's the faith in Jesus Christ that is what makes the only difference. When God looks at our sin, He sees Jesus, right? If He looked at me and saw my sin, I there's nothing I can do to save myself. But instead, when God looks at me, he sees Jesus standing in front of me. Jesus transforming his presence by the spirit is the key to right living. And so we dig into this passage. The first part of this passage is from Galatians 5:16 to 18. This is on your handout, and it says, "So I walk, so I say, walk by the spirit. You do not gratify the desires of the flesh." For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If we are to walk by the Spirit, we have to ask ourselves some questions. What is the Spirit? Um, And how do we receive the free gift of the Spirit? Paul in the in the book of Acts gives a, a, a verse that I think is key to this. In Acts 2:38, it says this: Peter replied, replied "Repent." and be baptized, every one of you. We saw this today, right? Repent and be baptized, baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And listen, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is how you receive the, get, the gift. We repent, we say that our sin has separated us from God jesus came to take away your sins you could not keep the law you could not lead a perfect life but jesus came and did that on your behalf on my behalf he loved us so much that he died in our place jesus says you are worth dying for hear that jesus says that you were worth dying for maybe you have never accepted this message the message that Delsha shared today that each time we have this baptism like michael said it never gets old and if you have not today is a day of salvation Um, if you have not you do not have the gift of the spirit and so everything i'm talking about you do not have access to that power yet but you can it's a free gift and i am telling you if this is something that you desire and you want rather than pushing and trying hard like that mower on your own, you can just receive this free gift of salvation today. Um, and so I would challenge you, like today, if you are sitting there and, or if you are at home um, and you have never received the gift of salvation, today is the day for you. Come talk to us. Come see me after one of our leaders. We would love to be able to pray with you um, and lead you into the presence of Jesus and give you, allow you to receive the gift of the Spirit. Once you have received the gift of the Spirit, this is what we're talking about today. If you have not received the gift of the Spirit, you cannot do the things I'm talking about um, because you don't have the Spirit helping and empowering you. You are like the push mower. (laughs) I'm inviting you onto the Ferris today. You can choose. Um, (laughs) So the question is, who is the Holy Spirit, and what is the purpose? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And what I want you to hear is that in the three persons of the Trinity, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, It's important to recognize that these are equal entities. I heard it said before that it's like they're doing a dance, this beautiful dance, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what the Trinity looks like. So the Holy Spirit is is one of the members um, of the Trinity. What does it say about the Holy Spirit coming in the New Testament? What does this look like? We're gonna go into the book of Acts again. The first chapter of Acts gives us a picture of what this looked like. And this time is when Jesus, was leaving. He was ending his earthly ministry. So Jesus had finished his earthly ministry. He had died on the cross. He had rose again. He had been with believers for a period of time, and now he is ascending back into heaven. And this is what he says. While staying with them, he ordered them, so he's talking to the disciples here, not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This he said is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he says, you will receive power from the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when they were saying this and they were watching, he was lifted up and taken out of their sight. So Jesus is leaving them, but he says, don't worry. I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. I am gonna give you the helper. This is what is inside of us when we have received the gift of salvation. So the key is here. He says, wait for the promise. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power. Again, we can push on our own. We can try to do it ourselves or we can just receive the power from on high. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give us the power for living. The Holy Spirit resides in our hearts and is our helper. Why do we need a helper? This is the crux of this passage. We need a helper because we have two natures inside of us. We have the spirit and we have the flesh. And so these two natures inside of us are constantly battling. Do you feel that battle at times? You know, We know things we want to do and then we do the opposite. We all have a, 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 an issue <laughs> with battling with this sin nature. Um, we li- whenever we live by one, we're choosing not to gratify the other. When we're living by the other, we're not gratifying this. But these two natures are constantly at battle- battling. The conflict between the spirit and the flesh is a battle inside of us. In Galatians 5, 17, the next verse in this passage, it says this, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another so that you are not to do whatever you want. All right? They're in conflict with one another. We have these two things. Before you gave your heart to Jesus, you were controlled by one nature, and that was the the flesh, that was that was what you had controlling you when you gave your heart to jesus you have a new nature and the spirit of jesus longs for the flesh and for the 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 spirit of jesus the spirit longs for jesus while the flesh longs for people and created things do you hear the difference how many times you know, think about when our flesh wins it's often that it's created things or people that we're trying when the when the spirit wins it's jesus we desire more of Jesus, and that's what that looks like. The Spirit longs to make us more like Christ. If you are a believer, Paul is saying that you really want this as well. Um, this desire is planted deep in your heart. We're going to look at another passage in Romans. It says this, Romans 7, and 23. For in my inner being I delighted in God's law, but I see another law at work, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So listen to the beginning of that. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. So we have these, these two things that are waging. So the believer has both sinful desires and godly desires. But most truly, when we have the Spirit, when we have given our lives to Christ, we really desire what God wants for us. This is hopeful. Listen, Paul is speaking hope. This is not hopeless. Paul is saying you have the spirit inside of you. I'm giving you the power for right living and you can do this. When we are falling into sin, we can say like Paul, this is not the real me. This is not who God called me to be. This is not really what I want. I really do want God in his will and this is hopeful as we look at this. What does the sin nature inside of us ultimately want? It wants us to be our own God. Do you feel that? You know, our sin nature is pulling us. Tim Keller says it like this. I have a quote from Tim Keller. It says, the motive for our disobedience is always a lack of trust in God's grace and goodness and a desire to protect and guard our own lives through self-salvation. That is always what is going on. Our motive for disobedience is that we just don't trust God. We don't trust his grace and we don't trust his goodness. And he's inviting us into a place of saying, I trust you. I trust your goodness. I wanna know you more and more. So we're gonna look at the next passages in verses 19 to 21. We get this list of the desires of the flesh. Um, And this is what the verse says. It says, I have this on your handout. um, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Listen to this list, okay? Um, this is the battle. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish, amb- selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Ooh, we got a big list going here. <laughs> There's a lot in there. There are some that we can just be like, I don't struggle with that, but if you're telling me you don't struggle with the list, uh, I would just strongly disagree with you. <laughs> look at this list. We have some different categories, and we're not going to spend a, you know, a ton of time here, but I just want to say there's the first category that I look at. There's four categories. The first is sexuality. And what it's talking about, sexual immorality. This is is real, guys. Like, this is sex outside of marriage. This is what this is talking about. Impurity, unnatural sexual relationships, debauchery, uncontrolled sexuality. This is where this falls. The next category is religion. It's talking about this. So we have idolatry and witchcraft. Idolatry is idol worship. Um, witchcraft, Satan worship. This is the occult and pagan religions um, practices that they're talking about here. Um, substance abuse. When I'm talking about the drunkenness and the orgies, the orgies fall under the drunkenness. So it's actually they're talking about drinking fests, um, addictions, pleasure to creating, um, to pre- pleasure creating substances and behaviors. This is what he's saying. This is our flesh. You know. Now we're getting into some more of the nitty gritty. Maybe those didn't hit some buttons for you but these will. (laughs) Um, The next eight words have to do with relationships. The first four are attitudes that we have. Selfish ambition, this is competitiveness. Envy, coveting what other people have. Jealousy, a hungry ego. Hatred, adversarial attitudes. Um, Then we have four things. The results of these attitudes are discord, Fits of rage, this is outbursts of anger, dissensions, divisions among people and factions. These are warring groups. This is what the sin nature is battling in your hearts. Don't we need some other power to help us be able to win the battle? I can't win this battle. There's no way on my own that I am not jealous and that I don't have discord. I don't have hatred. Let's be real. Like, there are people that we outside of the love of God have hatred for, and we have to be real about the battle that is raging. But there's hope on the other side of this. We're going to look at Galatians. The next passage goes into Galatians um, 25, 22 to 26. This is the fruit of the Spirit, and it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law when we think of fruit I want you to think of the idea of agriculture just like real fruits um, the fruit of the Spirit is not automatic it requires cultivation it requires intentionality we have to learn to prune off old habits and cultivate new habits as we do this listen. We're carried along by the spirits. This is not our own strength willing this up. And Jesus, amen. He reshapes our hearts. He reshapes our minds. He makes us people who love God and who love others. There is hope. These characteristics can grow in us. Um, On the back of your handout, if you want to flip it over, um, I have just an example of what the fruit of the Spirit are. I wanted to put it in this handout for you because there is a lot of information there, okay? My challenge to you, we could do a message on every one of these, okay? <laughs> so my challenge to you is to like take some time, look through that this week. Um, and so then this list came from um, a book that Tim Keller had written on Galatians. I just thought he did a really good job because each one has what it is. So I'm gonna go through the... the. Um, the, just the beginning um, parts, the, you put the next one up, it's love is the first one, and it says, you serve a person because of the value God gives all life and not what they can do for you. But then I also have on there the opposite and the counterfeit, and I think those are places that sometimes it's like, oh, it may not seem so bad, but when I think about the opposite, fear, self-protection, abusing people, what about the counterfeit? selfish ambition, treating people well because it makes you feel better about yourself. Do you ever fall in that trap? (laughs) I have. Um, So look at that, like the counterfeit, the opposite um, for each of these. Joy is a delight in God for the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. Um, Peace, the confidence and rest in the wisdom and control of God rather than our own. How good is it when we can have confidence and we don't have to trust ourselves, and we can trust that God is in control of what is going on. Our circumstances may look hopeless, but we can say, I have a peace that passes all understanding because God is in control. What about patience? The ability to face trouble without blowing up. <laughs> we all need a little more of that. There you go. That one's for you. <laughs> um, kindness. The ability to serve others practically in a way which makes me vulnerable. And comes from a deep inner security. I can have kindness to other people because I'm so secure in what? Because I'm a great person? No, I'm secure because God loves me so much that I can then be kind to other people. Out of his kindness and goodness to me flows this to other people. Goodness, integrity, being the same person in every situation. How many times are we tempted to be one person on Sunday and a different person on Monday or a different person on Friday night? Same, all across the board. On and of ourselves, we can't work this up, but the power of the Spirit allows us to be people of integrity that are the same Sunday through Saturday, every day of the week. What about faithfulness, loyalty and courage, being utterly dependable and true to your word? Letting our yes be yes and our no be no. These are hard lessons to learn, and only through the power of the Spirit can we do this gentleness, um, this is humility or self-forgetfulness. I love that. So we forget ourselves in order to um, to have humility with other people. Self-control, the ability to pursue the important over the urgent, rather than always being impulsive or under or uncontrolled. Um, and so, like I said, take some time to like really look through that list this week. Um, but I just want to step into what are the results. When we're being led by the spirit, you know, we hear these things. We know, okay, we shouldn't live this way. We should live this way. What are the results of when we are allowing the spirit um, to move in us? The first thing I have is that the growth is gradual. This is like growing a fruit. You don't see it happening. And the example I was thinking about with this was that um, any of you that are parents that have had elementary school kids, I'm guessing you had this happen because we have four kids and it's happened with all of them now, is that they come home with this little cup and they say, I have a seed that we're supposed to grow. I am like, oh no, <laughs> because I can't tell you how many times I can't get that stupid thing to grow. and They're so disappointed, you know, and I'm like, I have like no green thumb whatsoever. So when we plant, when the seed is planted, we put it up on the windowsill. I am telling you, there's nobody as excited when that little green pops out. I mean, I'm like, yes, we did it. There's just this little growth coming out. Um, and the thing with that, when, you know, if I'm trying to, I can't stand there and watch it grow. Right? Like there's no way I could stand there and watch it grow. But if I come back two days later, I might see it's a little bit higher. And I come back a week later, and all of a sudden, it's a little bit higher. That's what this looks like. The growth, we're not going to see it instantly. We're probably not really going to be able to see it growing just like, just like in the moments. Um, but what we can see is that over days and weeks and months, and years, we start to gradually see that we're winning the battle more and more. Um, When do we really see if the fruit has grown in our lives? It's when the trouble or the tough times come, right? There's a need to be able to see it. So one example that came to mind with this was traffic issues. And um, I had a situation a couple weeks ago where I was merging onto, um, coming to go onto 376 by our house. So when you go to turn onto it, there's one that turns this way and then there's like a a lane that comes like this. They have a yield sign over here. So they're yielding, okay? I'm coming this way. I have the right-of-way. Me, I have the right-of-way. People, if you don't know this, you need to figure this out. I have the right-of-way this lady's coming it's not even that close okay like it, i mean if i saw she was coming and we were gonna hit i would have just let her go but i have the right of way okay so i but she's pretty far back so i turn i go and this lady comes up behind me I and mean, she is like on my tail and um i'm like i honestly at first i didn't even realize what was happening Then I'm like, this lady is really close to my car, you know, and then next thing you know, she's coming up next to me. She is giving me explicit signals and she is yelling at me. I'm like, what in the world is this? But I can honestly say that all through that, I was able to not react and just felt like I had some self-control. And I think, you know, honestly, like that's an example, like the Holy Spirit. Like, because, you know, honestly, I kind of, you know, in my flesh, we want to like, you know, have the cars pull over and explain I had the right-of-way. Like, you're not even right in what you're saying. Um, So that's kind of a funny example. But I also was thinking of another example that came to mind as I was preparing this. And this is a bigger example, and some of you may know this, some of you might not know this at all. But it came to mind because around this time last year it was actually thanksgiving night last year michael got really sick and we took him to the hospital and we found out that he had COVID. and um so he was we both got to go into the emergency room he was released um and then we started on a really crazy journey um that actually is still going on um to this day but at that point you know he was released home and about ten days later, um, he still was not doing well, and we're trying to figure out like what we were supposed to do. And I felt really powerless. And he's not in a good place. He's not able to. You know, he really was not in a place to to make good decisions. And we're you know trying to process through this. And I remember just feeling you know a bit overwhelmed because I thought like we have some big decisions. Like this is not going well. He's not looking good. And I remember choosing. Um, it was a Sunday night. And I, we were ready to sit down to eat dinner, um, but there was an upper room prayer, and I was like, I don't need earthly food, I need heavenly food, and I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I am heading to the tab, and I'm going to sit in His presence. And I was sitting right there, it was where I sat, and I wept, and I said, God, I need you because I have no idea what to do, and I am the one that has to make the decisions right now. Um, And so the next day, super clear, which I had asked for clarity. Uh, Michael's oxygen level drops super low. And so I forced him to go to the emergency room. Any of you that have boys, husbands, they do not want to go to the doctor. And it becomes, like, this, like, battle. And, they, um, and so we are battling. I'm like, you're going to the hospital? Um, and he's like, no, I'm not. So we waited about six hours, and I'm like, yes, you are. And so that afternoon, we head off to the hospital. And um, this time, in 10 days' time, this, the, um, the procedures changed. So I walk in. He's, I'm not kidding, out of his mind, because his oxygen is so low. He has no clue what he's doing. And they're like, I'm sorry, ma'am, you have to leave. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'm like writing notes to this check-in woman, and I'm saying, well, you gotta know this, you gotta know this. i like, was like, like pinning it on him like a kindergartner, you know? I'm like, you gotta give them this note. And, um, and I go sit in the car by myself. So I'm sitting in the car, and I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm in the car for probably two hours, and um, I finally get a phone call, and they say they're admitting him. And I'm like, okay, you know? like. This is where he needs to be, you know? And so um, so I head home, you know, by myself. I get home, and the next day, we were having a funeral service here for a young man in our community that had been shot and killed. And I had been asked a week before if I would do a slideshow for that funeral. And, um, and I had been waiting for pictures. They hadn't come, but they finally had arrived. It is late. I finally put my kids to bed, but I'm like, I have to do this for this woman. You know, and so God supernaturally gives me the strength and I'm like, this is to honor him and his family. And so God, you're gonna do it. So this slideshow gets created. The next morning, I have to be at children's hospital at eight AM because Grant has an MRI on his foot. So I mean, where I'm like getting up six AM, getting showered, taking Grant to this MRI. We finish the MRI, we come to the funeral. Right before we go to walk into the funeral here, I text Michael to get an update on what's going on and I hear nothing. We walk into the funeral and there is weeping and wailing and worship, high worship. I had never experienced anything like this. Andrina was leading it out and it was, I mean, it was high worship that was going on and there's a coffin here at the front and I'm sitting back there and I'm thinking, this could be Michael. And I'm not a fearful person. I'm like, hon, can you text me back? I kind of just want to hear what's going on. Nothing. You know, and Grant and I sit there through the service, and we're, you know, crying and, you know, mourning with his family. And um, finally, just as the service is ended, I get a text from Michael saying that he's okay. Um, that he was just in testing, and that's why he hadn't responded. And I am telling you guys, in that moment, I saw the way the fruit of the Spirit had grown in my life. It was a supernatural peace that passed all understanding and a faith that God was faithful, whether it ended up looking like this or if it ended up that Michael was walking out of the hospital. It was settled at the time that I knew that God was with me, and that is the fruit of the Spirit growing within us. The second thing that I wanna tell you is that growth will happen. This absolutely will happen in your life. Um, this is so encouraging to hear because if you are a believer, growth will happen. The Spirit is helping you grow. This is not on your own. You are getting closer to Jesus, and Jesus is the light who helps us grow. And I love this analogy. Um, if, imagine if your sin looked like you were covered in mud. Um, I want you to see this picture on here. This was L. And it's hard to see. I mean, her face is like, oh, you can see it good up there. Yeah, I mean, it's like, she was so mad. Guys, don't talk to her about this. When she saw I put this in here, she was not happy. We have a deal that if I put you in a, a sermon, I'll take you out for like lunch, dinner, breakfast, whatever. She didn't care. She was like, take that down. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, but imagine that this is what the sin looks like, that we're covered in mud. But if I had L in a dark room, you wouldn't see the mud right? I wouldn't even really be able to see the mud all over her. Now, you can clearly tell I would hear her screaming, (laughs) but there would be no way to see um, the mud that is all over her Um, and that she's thoroughly covered. Think about it this way. This is like it's what, like with our sin and our old nature. If we are in the dark, we don't even notice our sin, but when we give our lives to Jesus and give our lives to light, he begins to shine in the areas of our life, and I see... Where he is taking my flesh, and if I allow him, he will continue to clean me. And eventually, I'll look like this. (laughs) Look, look how happy she is being clean. Do you feel like that when you begin to put your flesh behind you? And God begins, listen to this, to hose off your life. It's freeing. You begin to be filled with joy and peace. And then the third thing, it happens together. It is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. These all grow together. How beautiful is this? This is not like you get this one and you get this one, but not this one. It is singular. You get all of them. We may have a natural disposition towards some. Maybe I'm more patient. Maybe I have more self-control, but I'm really not good in this other area. That's, we're not talking about natural ability here. We're talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit will grow all of them in us, and it's beautiful. So how can this take root? We belong to Christ. Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, all that is Christ is ours our approval, our welcome comes from the Father. Second, we crucify our sin nature. This is an action statement here. It says in Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is not a passive process, and it is an ongoing process. We continually crucify or put to death our flesh and our sin nature with what? the help of the Spirit. This is not what we do on our own. The Holy Spirit helps us identify and dismantle the lies and the idols in our lives. It helps us to strangle sin at the root level. This is not behavior modification. This is heart change. Amen? We keep in step with the Spirit. This is beautiful, Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, we keep in step by the Spirit. This is a positive process. The Spirit is a person living inside of us. It is a partnership with the Spirit. We replace our idols and our fleshly desires that lead us to sin with Jesus. That's what we replace these things with. We worship Jesus, we adore Jesus, and we sit in his presence. When I grew up, I grew up in a church culture that said you needed to behave to belong. Have any of you grown up in that same culture? I tried to do all the right things. And listen to this, my motivation was acceptance rather than my motivation being out of the radical love of of what the radical love that Jesus had shown to me. In religion, the motivation for right living is fear-based. And for a lot of us, that's how we've grown up. When we are living with the gospel at the center of our lives, our motivation comes from the love and acceptance of the Father. Look at it this way, and we're going to close with this. I want you to see this picture. I have it on your It's the bounded set versus the centered set. We've talked about this before. In the bounded set, we put fences up around. And we say, do this, don't do that. Um, if you behave, you're in. And if you don't behave, you're out. Um, this is religion this is the religious systems in the centered set look we put the cross we put jesus at the center and the gospel at the center and we point you toward jesus this is a relationship there's a huge difference between this and this is beautiful but i want you to see this and i drew a little um circle in the middle of the the cross i want you to look at that because technically listen to this in the middle of a centered set is another bounded set, but it's a bounded set of love. It's because of the cross, it's because of the love of Jesus and our love for him that we want to live out of that love and our behavior comes out of that place. So at the center of a bounded set is a centered set of love. Listen to what Piper says. I have this quote on here. The Spirit is not a leader like a pace car in the Daytona 500. He is a leader like a locomotive train. We do not follow in our strength. We are led by His power. So walk by the Spirit means stay hooked up to the divine source of power and go where He leads. So in closing... As I began, and I talked about Grant with that zero-turn lawnmower, I said, this is what it's like to move in step with the Spirit. It gives all the power. We don't have to push and try ourselves. Are you going to get on the mower, or are you going to struggle with the heavy wooden push mower and try to get it around the, the yard? How are you doing at allowing the Spirit to change your heart and your desires? Do you see growth as you look back? As the challenge comes, do you see the way you've grown? When the hard times have come, have you seen a change in how you react? Amen, if you have, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the fruit of the Spirit. All of them growing up in you. See where you've grown. Are you more patient? Do you have more self-control? Celebrate the wins. That's Jesus. Inside of you, finally, look at what the Holy Spirit is highlighting in you. Look at what he's saying, where he's saying, where are you giving into the flesh? Where do you need to ask the Spirit to come into that area and replace the desires? The last quote I have on here is, what have you been dependent on before, but now long to be dependent on God? What were you dependent on? Have you tried to muscle through and grab hold of self-control and all the other fruits of God's spirit on your own, it doesn't work. It does not work that way. Abide in him, consume him. His fruit will consume you and transform you. Stand with me, I just wanna close this way. That's what I came up with. I'd like for you guys to, if you're willing, to just hold your hands out. When I think about holding our hands out, I always picture my kids when they were little, and they would come and hold their hands, out, meant they wanted me to hold them. They wanted to come to me. There's nothing more beautiful than this. How beautiful is it to God when we want to come to him And we just hold our hands out and say, God, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. But God, your Holy Spirit, empower me. God, I pray over each individual in this room that your Holy Spirit would empower each of us for living the way you've called us to. We don't want to live beneath our identity. And so, God, Holy Spirit, come, fill us now. We need your power to enable the fruit of the Spirit to grow, and we are asking for more of you, and you delight in that. You are enough for our transformation. God, you are enough. We love you, and we thank you for all that you are doing. We give ourselves to you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.
1: Thank you, Brooke. I was talking with a friend um, earlier this week and talking to him about our inheritance is to have deep satisfaction and a clear conscience. That's what God wants to give us. And a lot of times we can, we can live in that Romans 7 that Brooke talked about, that wavering, right, back and forth with things that come up. And God wants those things that come up that that He is revealing. He wants to heal you of those things that come up that aren't of Him. And our role in crucifying the flesh isn't trying harder in shame, but instead it's releasing those lies to Jesus. Whether it's jealousy, whether it's um, self-hatred, these lies of the enemy and bringing ourselves in alignment with truth. And so I just want to like, in your hearts, if you would just, uh, one way to understand this is we're letting go of some things like this. And then we want to turn our hands over and just receive as Brooke uh, just said. And so uh, in your heart, if you could just repeat after me, um, I just surrender, Lord, to you the lies that have come up that I have partnered with. And I break the shame off myself for believing those lies that cause me to compare myself with someone else, that, that keep me from my true being in alignment with the true identity that is mine in you, Christ. Lord, forgive me for believing those lies and I reject and renounce those lies right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you could just turn your hands over as a posture, as a sign of the posture of your heart. And as Brooke just prayed, Lord, we receive the truth about who we are, that you delight in us, that we are worthy because you love us. Lord God, we receive your affections for us, Lord. You said that your love is for us not because of how great a people we are, but because you've set your affections on us. (laughs) So we receive your love, Lord God. We bring ourselves in alignment, Lord God. We crucify the flesh, Lord God, by receiving Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, Spirit of Jesus. Fall fresh on us now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to think your thoughts, Lord God. To burn with your desire, Holy Trinity. Set our hearts aflame with love right now. We receive your love, Father. We receive who you say we are. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your presence right now, Lord God. Thank you for what you're saying and doing. The Lord is speaking new names to some here. He's revealing to you who he says you are my beloved son my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased you are enough because my love is enough